Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to be covering part two of what to do when your back is against the wall. What to do when you're buried with stress or buried with anxiety or even depression. We're going to answer such questions today as how can you find your safe place in God whenever your back is against the wall? Or what miraculous help can you receive from God while your back is against the wall? Or how can you patiently be confident in God until you receive your ultimate answer and relieve and, and receive that relief that you're looking for in your situation? So listen in and be blessed as we learn what we can do when our back is against the wall. What to do, what to do when your back is against the wall. Last week we, we launched this and spoke to the fact that David gave us an example of what to do when your back is against the wall. I wonder if any of you are receiving death threats in the mail or you're receiving death threats uh, on the phone or, or in person. If you aren't, then good for you. <laughs> that doesn't mean that your back isn't against the wall, but David had significant concerns about losing his life. He had probably more stress in his life than any of us have here. All right, and I'm not, I'm not uh, depreciating the fact that you might be stressed out. I'm just saying, since he had more stress in his life, we can use his example to deal with a stress that we have in our life and, and get that relief that we need. And um, this was before he was made king. King Saul was seeking to destroy him, and the enemy is seeking to destroy you too. You have an enemy of your soul, and he is, let me tell you what, there's no demilitarized zone with the enemy of your soul, all right? It's either you or it's him. And in my book, it's going to be him. He's going to be the one that's going to lose. I am going to outlast the enemy, and you are going to outlast the enemy as well. It's whoever ends up standing is the one that's going to win the victory, all right? And what we learned, seven lessons that we learned from last Sunday about David is whenever you're stressed out, whenever you have a situation, the first thing is you've got to do what you've got to do. You, when you're facing a tough decision, usually you know there's something that you need to do, and it's going to cost you something, just like Europe and NATO. It's going to cost them something to put up a fight against Russia. They're going to have an energy crisis, and we probably all are going to have an energy crisis. But you've got to do what you've got to do. Do you see what I mean? There's a cost to decision-making, and sometimes you've got to weigh the cost, and you just got to make a decision. We talked about that last Sunday. I'm not going to go into that again. David also learned that he needed to ask for that which was holy. Remember, he went to the priest and he said, give me what you got. And there was the bread of the presence, only that which was set apart for God. It was an offering, a daily offering that was put in the presence of the Lord. And you know what? David asked boldly for that which was holy. And you need to ask for that which is holy as well. Ask for peace. That's holy. Ask for power and strength in your, in your desperate needs. Ask for that which is holy. Ask for boldness. Do Get something from God. Moses asked for that which was holy. He was in the desert leading two million people. And you know what he went? He said to God, he said, I'm not going unless your presence goes with me. Ask for that which is holy. 
David made a mistake, a dumb, stupid mistake. He made a rash decision. And that's usually what we tend to do when we're in a tough situation. We make matters worse by making worse decisions. But you know what David did? He immediately put it into reverse and got out of there. He reversed his bad decision. So instead of perpetuating a bad decision and making it worse and worse, get back to where you were quickly. He reversed his rash decision. Number four, he took the opportunity to be reconciled. It's crazy. When you're in a bad situation, you can actually sometimes find yourself being reconciled with people that you were at odds with, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe somebody from a long time ago. All of a sudden, this bad decision, not always, but sometimes a, this, this bad situation allows you to be reconciled. So look for sunny patches in your bad world and realize, hey, God's doing good things that I didn't even see coming. God is helping me be maybe to be reconciled with a family member. Who knows? Number five, David listened to godly advice. When your back is against the wall, seek godly advice. Find somebody that you respect, a person of faith in God, and say, you know what? What do you think I should do? And seek godly advice. David did, did this, and, and it, it, was, it resulted well for him. Take responsibility, but don't blame yourself too much. The, 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 the story, we find that a group of priests were slaughtered because David was in the wrong place, kind of at the wrong time. But you know what? David didn't overly blame himself. When your back is against the wall, it's easy for you to blame yourself and feel condemned and, and overdo it. But don't do that. Don't blame yourself. Just move forward. The past is the past. What's happened has happened. You can't change it. And lastly, we learned that uh, David learned to inquire of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I'm learning this. This one really speaks to me. As my back is against the wall, I'm learning to inquire of the Lord about everything. God, should I do this? Should I not do this? What should I do today, God? Show me what. Learn to inquire of the Lord. But let's continue on with the story of David and find another six or seven lessons today. We're starting off in 1 Samuel 23. We'd actually gotten halfway through that chapter. And, and I'm going to read from verse 14. I'll throw it up here on the screen. But David stayed in the wilderness. Remember, he's running for his life. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him. Day after day, your enemy is searching for you. Your enemy could be fear. Your enemy could be uh, worry. Your enemy could be dread. But day after day, your enemy is searching for you. But look at this. But God did not give David into his hand. You are going to win in your situation. Look at me. You are going to win in your situation. You're going to get through this. God is not going to give you into your enemy's hands. You're going to come through this victorious. And you know what David found? This is the next lesson that we learned. David found his safety in God while he was in the wilderness. You're going to find safety in God while you're in the midst of your difficulty, while you're in the midst of your trial, your tribulation. You are going to find safety in God. Psalms 91.1, one just 
you know, just a, a chapter that we keep coming back to over and over. And I, I think God put it there as, as something, as a safety net for us all to constantly come back to. But the psalmist, possibly David, wrote, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Did you know you can be with your back against the wall and completely at rest, completely peaceful, completely assured and confident? You can. God wants you to be that way. In fact, find your safety in God while you are in danger. Find your safety in God. The psalmist says there in verse 2, he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. So you got to make up your mind. I am going to trust the Lord even if I don't see the answer yet. I'm going to trust the Lord. In Proverbs 18.10, another really cool verse, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The name of the Lord, in one version, says is a high tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Find your safety in the Lord while your back is against the wall. Don't wait for your situation to be fixed before you find your safety in God. Learn from David. In in 1 Samuel 23, verses 15 and 17, you just kind of follow along if you have your Bibles, says, while David was at Horish in the uh, desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. Hear it again. He, morning and night, the same thing, coming after him, coming after him. But listen to this. Saul's son, Jonathan, we learned that last week that Jonathan and David were best friends, even though Jonathan's father was the one trying to kill David. Jonathan came to David and helped him find strength in the Lord. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. (laughs) Praise God. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Now listen to this. While your back is against the wall, God is going to send confirmation to you. He's going to reaffirm to you your destiny, your calling, Even in your darkest times, you're going to hear from the Lord, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this, and your destiny is secure in me. Has that ever happened to you, by the way? You know, your darkest time, and then some nurse walks in. Maybe you're in the hospital, or or a doctor, or or maybe a friend, or you read a scripture, or you you listen to a sermon or a podcast, and you get reaffirmed. God's calling on my life. My destiny is secure. God is going to do that. If you will listen, out of left field will come comfort and reaffirmation and confirmation that your destiny and your calling is secure in the Lord, regardless of your dark times that you're going through. Praise God. You may not see the path, how you're going to get there, But God's promise is faithful to you. We don't need to have all the details figured out. Sarah said this on Sunday night. You don't have to have all the details figured out. Let God take care of the details. You just hang on to his promise. You just hang on to his word that God is going to fix your situation. Your destiny is secure. Your calling is sure. Praise God. Well... 
Here's the next little piece of the story, and I'm not going to read. I'm just going to tell it to you in 1 Samuel 23, verses 19 through 29. And um, David is running for his life, and for the first time, Saul seems to finally have him cornered. Saul and all his armies, in fact, the Bible says that Saul was running on one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the opposite side of the mountain trying to get away from him and he was almost cornered and it looked like, you know, it was finally over and you know what happened? A news came to Saul that the Philistines were attacking some part of Israel and Saul had to call off his hunt. He almost had David in his clutches and he was called off and he had to leave. And David escaped yet once again. I'll tell you what. David experienced God's miraculous deliverance time after time after time. And you are too. You're going to feel cornered. Maybe you feel cornered, felt cornered this very week. You felt cornered and God delivered you yet again. Just keep looking up. Just keep looking up to Jesus and saying, Jesus... Help me to escape just one more time. Deliver me one more time for my, for my, maybe you have panic attacks. I don't know what you go through. Maybe you're anxious and you say, God, deliver me one more time. And God's going to lift that anxiety right out off of you. He's going to lift that panic off of you. He's going to lift that threat off of you. He's going to lift that lie off of you one more time. And you're going to escape out of the clutches of your enemy. Praise God. It wasn't, now check this out, this wasn't the end miracle. David's life was still in danger. The threat was still there. It wasn't the big miracle that David wanted, but it yet was one more miracle. Miracle after miracle, and that's what you're going to experience. And when you're back against, against the wall, you're going to experience miracle after miracle after miracle, and you're going to look back and you're going to say, my back is still against the wall. God, when is the final miracle going to come? Leave that up to God. Just continue to experience miracle after miracle. Don't give up. Just keep enjoying God's miraculous interventions in your life. Well, the next story of David here is in 1 Samuel 24. In fact, the, the entire chapter, and these are in your daily readings. I encourage you to follow along in this day after day and and relive it with David as if it was you because in some respects it is you <laughs> that's going through this but in this part of David's story as he continues to run from Saul a very strange thing happens so Saul has thousands of men coming after David and David is looking for a place to go and he finds a cave <laughs> and so he and his men it must have been a pretty big cave because he has somewhere between four and six hundred men and they get back there in that cave, and of all things, this is embarrassing toilet talk here, all right? But Saul has to relieve himself. The Bible says this. The Bible talks about all kinds of open things, right? He goes into the very cave where David and his men are, and he does his business. <laughs> and David sneaks up behind him. In fact, he's back in the cave and his men are whispering. They're saying, this is your chance. Here's your enemy. You can kill him and get rid of him right here and right now. 
And you know what David turns it? He rebukes, he harshly rebukes his men and says, I'm not going to lay a finger on the Lord's anointed. You talk about patience. You talk about keeping your eyes on the Lord. Here's a man, he has the opportunity to make, to, to make his life better, and he won't do it. Instead, he goes up. <laughs> this would be hard, too. And he cuts a little piece of, of uh, Saul's garment that's laying there, I guess. He cuts a piece of his robe, takes it with him, and goes back to the back of the cave unnoticed. Saul, the king, walks out of the cave, goes back down to his men. And David, you talk about being courageous. This was, this was scary for him as well. But he wanted to make a point. <laughs> and he walks out of the cave after Saul is a ways down there. And he yells to him. He says, Saul. And he waves a piece of that robe. And he says, I could have killed you just now. And this is proof that you shouldn't be chasing me. Why are you worried about me? He says, I'm just a flea. I'm just a dog. I'm nothing. Why are you chasing me? I had the chance to kill you just now, and I didn't. Please leave me alone. <laughs> now, he didn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that he said that, but that's the essence of what he said. Please just leave me alone. And you know what Saul does? Saul, I believe, was bipolar. I really do. Because he breaks down and crying, and he says, David, my son, is that you? <laughs> he says, you're right. You're more worthy than I am, David. You didn't kill me. You spared my life. And he says, go in peace. I'm not going to chase you anymore. Now, do you think David trusted that word of Saul's? <laughs> no, he didn't. But you know, in all of this, David stuck to his convictions, or he stuck with his convictions. He didn't kill Saul. He didn't lay a finger on the Lord's anointed. He did. He let God take care of what God needed to take care of, and you do too. Let God take care of the healing that you're looking for. Let God take care of the relationship that you need to be reconciled in. Let God take care of the finances that you're struggling let God do his part. Stick with your convictions that God needs to do the work. You can't do it. It's too much for you. It's, too, it's an impossibility for you. Hey, if it weren't impossible, you would have already taken care of it. Wouldn't, isn't that the truth? You would have already dealt with the, the issue, but you can't. Stick with your convictions. Don't try to control the situation and let God be God. You know, in all of this, he honored, look at this, David honored God's decision and his timing. You need, to, you need to let God make the decision and honor God's timing in what you're dealing with. I know you want it now. I want my answer now as well. But honor God's timing. David didn't bend to peer pressure either. There were his men in the back of that cave saying, take him out now. This is your golden opportunity. In fact, one of them said, God has given you into your hand, given Saul into your hands. He didn't bend to peer pressure, and you don't either. Don't bend to peer pressure. Let God be God. Here's another thing. He influenced, he turned around to his men in that cave, and he says, stop. 
I'm going to do what I need to do. He influenced his men in let, instead of letting those men influence him. Here's another thing that I see. He was innocently brave. He went out to the front of that cave. That was brave. I mean, the archers could have taken him right out. But he was innocently brave. And here's what I find is that innocence and selflessness will lead to courage. I'm going to say that again. Innocence and selflessness will lead to bravery and courage. If you're not thinking about yourself all the time, you will do brave things in your life. But if you're worried about yourself and you're always, there's always a self-preservation that you're concerned with, you're not going to be very courageous because you're always going to be worried about you. But when you leave yourself aside, you're going to be brave. You're going to be courageous. You're going to do things and say things that you would have never done otherwise because you're not thinking about yourself. But here's the last thing that I see in this, this piece of the story is David wasn't dumb either. He knew that Saul hadn't changed. He knew that his back was still against the wall. He knew his situation was still the same. And the Bible says here in verse 22 of that chapter, of, of, of chapter 24, so David gave his oath to, the, to Saul, and listen to this, then Saul returned home, but David and his men went back up to the stronghold. You need to realize, sometimes, you know, the situation seems to brighten up, and oh my word, maybe everything's okay. You got to realize, you know what? There's still more work to be done. There's still more work to be done. Don't, don't get so excited about a small victory that you think it's all over and you can let your guard back down. You can stop praying. You don't have to worry about it anymore. No, there's still work to be done. So stick with your convictions. Now in chapter 25 of, of 1 Samuel, Another interesting story occurs, and I'm not going to give a lot of details on this, but during his time in the wilderness, David had actually been taking care of this rich man's flock, and, and not taking care of but just kind of protecting them. And when it came time for David to need something from this, this guy, the guy turned on him. In fact, the Bible describes him as mean. Have you ever dealt with a mean person before? Harsh person? Well, this infuriated David, and he called his men together. He says, I'm going to take this guy out. <laughs> He's not anointed of God. <laughs> I'm going to go take this guy out. He got on his horse. He had his, his, his sword, his men. They were going, and this guy's wife, her name was Abigail, came and stopped him and said, David, don't shed unnecessary blood. Here, I have brought an offering, a peace offering for you. Please don't come and kill my husband and all his people. I know they did wrong, but please forgive us. And the point, without going into too much detail about this, David paid attention to yield signs. You know, when pressure is building on you and stress and things aren't working out for you, it seems like every day something goes bad, it's easy for you to lash out. It's easy for you to go blame somebody. It's easy for you to go off on maybe your spouse because they're there trying to help you and, and you got to lash out at somebody and so you lash out at them. Listen to yield signs. Listen to those that are close to you. And, and if you see a yield sign, turn around and go back in the opposite direction. Because I found this. God puts yield sign after yield sign. If you're going in the wrong direction, he's warning you. 
He's warning you, but at some point, you hit a stop sign. And let me tell you what, when you hit God's stop signs, it hurts. It's painful. So listen to yield signs, even when you're stressed out and your back is against the wall. Well, here's the last one that we'll touch on today. It's found in chapter 26. You see, we're just going chapter by chapter. Do you see how you can read the Bible and get good stuff out of it for, you, for yourself that applies to your situation? The Bible is so relatable. It's so useful. And those stories in the Bible that you can read and, and learn from these people's lessons, man, apply them. Don't just read it as a story. Read it as something that you can take lessons from and be helped from. But here in chapter 26, another time, Saul, and here again, see, Saul starts pursuing David again. And in fact, this time he takes 3,000 of his young, brave soldiers, probably kind of the special ops of the Israeli army. And he says, we're going to go find this character, David. He had another flare-up. You see, Saul was high one day and then low the next day. And, and here he was, he was coming after David again. So he's looking for David, and he's got this camp of 3,000 soldiers. David has 600 at this point, and it's night, night falls. And so they set up camp, and they put Saul right there, King Saul, right there in the middle of the camp. And right beside him is Abner. Abner is his commander-in-chief, like the joint chief's uh, you know, in our military, he's he's right there beside Saul and uh, Saul lays his spear right there real close in a jug of water if he needs it in the middle of the night. And so David is, is up, I guess, on a hill and he can see that they they're all sprawled down there and, and sleeping. And so David turns to one of his bravest young guys, Abishai. He says, Abishai, why don't you come down with me? Actually, he talks to two guys. He says, one guy's Ahimelech and the other guy's Abishai. And he says to Ahimelech and Abishai, come down with me. It's interesting in the Bible that only Abishai goes with him. Let me tell you what. When some brave, godly person asks you to go with them, go with them. God's going to do something exciting. So don't be shy whenever you're asked to go do something that pushes you out of your comfort zone a little bit something that's a little bit adventurous, a little over the edge. If you're going with God, you have nothing to fear. But anyways, David and Abishai, they go down at night and they climb over bodies of soldiers <laughs> that are asleep. They come to the middle there and here's Abishai again whispering into David's ear, pin him to the ground with his own spear. Let's get rid of this guy. You don't have to. They're whispering right there in the middle of 3,000 sleeping soldiers. Now, the Bible tells us that God had put these soldiers into a deep sleep. They couldn't have woken up if they wanted to. But anyways, they're having this conversation right standing right beside Saul. And, and David rebukes Abishai and says, I'm not going to lay a finger on him. Let me tell you what, if God gives you a conviction, you stick with your conviction. No matter what people tell you, you do what God tells you to do. So in, instead, David picks up the spear, takes his jug of water. They sneak back out, stepping over people's bodies. All right. They come back up to the top of the hill and David yells at Saul, actually yells at Abner, who's Saul's bodyguard. He's the main guy. He says, Hey, guys, wake up. He says, hey, look what I have here. I have your, 
your, your master's spear. I have this jug of water right here. I could have pinned him to the ground. And he goes through the same thing. Look, I'm innocent. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take your kingdom. I'm not trying to kill your king. I, I'm innocent in all of this. And, and then David, I find it interesting. He says, send up a young man to collect the spear, <laughs> the, to collect the spear in the jug. But look at this. I want to read this verse to you. This, we're going to end with this. Look at this verse in um, verses 9 and 11 of chapter 26. David says to Abishai, do not destroy him. This is when they're still kind of in the middle there, right beside Saul as he's asleep. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come to die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Get the spear in the water that's near his head and let's go. And here's the last lesson I'd like to share with you. David expressed patient confidence in the Lord. When your back's against the wall, God's testing your patience. <laughs> He's seeing if you're going to be patient enough. You say, God, why does this have to string out months, weeks? Why does this have to string out for days or years? You know why? <laughs> God's been patient with you. It's time for you to be patient with God. Trust God's timing in all of this. God wants to do something that lasts. If he did it for you in a day, what he did might not last. But if he takes his time in your situation and fixes that person that needs to be fixed or heals that person that needs to be healed or provides for that person that needs provision, it's going to be a lasting work. And don't you want God to do a lasting work? I'll tell you what, one of the greatest tools that God has in his arsenal for our lives is time. Time is what's required and what's requisite for permanent healing, for permanent salvation, for permanent restoration, for permanent reconciliation, for permanent provision. God uses time. So express patient confidence. Don't just focus on the word patience here. Confidence in the Lord. God is going to come through for you. Be confident in the Lord. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God. Lord, for these wonderful lessons. Lord, this would help anybody, anybody who's going through a hard time. Lord, and I believe everybody is going through some kind of hard time. Everybody. Lord, if they aren't now, then fortunately will in the future. Lord, and if we're not going through a hard time ourselves, all of us knows someone that is going through a hard time. And that means that we're going through a hard time with them, in essence. So, Lord Jesus, we just pray this morning, God, that these lessons from David would sink into us and that we would apply them on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Lord, every day this week, Lord, that these lessons would make a deep impression on us, so much so that we would apply them to our situations, to our lives, Lord Jesus. God, that these, these thoughts and these ideas, these concepts, these lessons, Lord, would, would encourage us. 
Lord, I pray that you would encourage each and every person here this morning. Give us the fuel that we need to get through this week, Lord God, with hope, with joy, with peace, with confidence, with patience, with conviction, O oh Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you a question with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. How many of you need more conviction? <laughs> You need more conviction. Just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. You need more conviction in your situation. You need to be convinced that you're doing the right thing, that you're acting the right way, that you're trusting the Lord enough, that you're letting God do what God does best. Praise God. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for every single person, Lord Jesus, who's heard this, who's raised their hand, who said, I need more conviction in my life. I need to be more like David so that instead of wanting to take matters into my own hands to control the situation, maybe to coerce somebody to do something that I want them to do, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to let God be God in, in this situation. Lord God, give us, give us conviction, Lord Jesus, to say, Lord, I'm going to let you do what you do best. And Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust your timing. And I'm going to trust your decisions, Lord. I'm going to trust you implicitly. Lord, full on. All, every part of me is going to trust the Lord to do what only God can do. God, I've tried to control things and I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too hard for me. I can't convince the person i can't heal the person i can't be reconciled with the person i can't do it lord i need your help lord jesus so help us to trust you because we know that we can't do it anyways and we thank you lord and while every every head is bowed do you want to ask jesus into your heart today and you might say well jesus is already in my life i'm saying do you want him even more in your heart today you want him even more in your heart. Is there a part of your life that you've been kind of closing out to him? And maybe that's why you're the, in the trouble that you're in right now. Is there's a part of your life that you haven't gained access or given access to the Lord? And you want to do that today? I want you to pray with me. And I'm going to, in fact, I want you to repeat this out loud if, if you really mean it. Lord Jesus, come into my life. This might be the hundredth time that I've asked you, but come in even more this time. I give you full control. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.